How's it going, Harbor Fam? So stoked to be here this morning. Well, our summer's right around the corner, and uh, one of the things that we have planned going on is uh, replanting Harbor Nu'uanu uh, this fall. Our uh, Harbor Nu'uanu congregation, we've been meeting up with, with you guys since uh, last September, since we were unable to find a location in Nu'uanu, and it's been such a blessing being able to worship King Jesus along with all of you, and we're hoping to return to weekly services uh, in Nu'uanu in uh, the fall. You know, our vision as a church is to be a place of redemption and refuge and resurgence here in Kaka'ako, but also in other areas on our island like, like Nu'uanu. And so I want to invite you, if you live in the Nu'uanu, the Laliha, the Po'o area, um, or if you just have a heart for church planting, you have a heart to see uh, the gospel reach more and more neighborhoods through a church plant, I want to invite you to come out to our uh, replanting interest meeting uh, this Saturday downstairs. Then you got more info on your bulletin. And uh, the place that we're, we're meeting in, in Uwanu, it doesn't have nice air condition or the plush chairs that we're enjoying right now, but it does give an opportunity to grow as a follower of, uh, as a follower of Jesus. And church planting, it is, uh, it's good work, but it's, it's hard work, and it's a chance to, to grow in a dependency upon God through trusting Him through the good, hard work. Because that's what we all want, right? We want to grow as followers of Jesus, right? And, and this is not only increasing spiritual disciplines like reading your Bible or attending a community group or giving sacrificially. Those are all good things that f- fuel our love for God. But we want to grow in a love for Jesus. We want to grow in a love for others. We want to grow in being more like Jesus. And there's something encouraging and maybe even exciting when we see progress and growth in our, in our own lives. I mean, just think about the ways that we track the different growths in our lives. Where we've got apps that will track our steps to make sure that we're, we're exercising. We pay financial planners to you know, to help us make sure we're growing in our investments. For all of our social media experts, right, we've got analytics to show us, you know, how many views we're getting and how many interactions, how many clicks that, that we're receiving. And even in the workplace, right, we like to track whether we're moving up the corporate ladder, whether we're moving up the pay scale each year. And one of the few things that, right, there are just few things just, more frustrating than when we don't see progress and growth in our lives. That's how I felt in my first few years in college. I wasn't sure what I'd major in, so I was just bouncing from one major to another, taking a bunch of random classes. And one day I bumped into a classmate of mine that graduated the same high school as me, same year, and she was already graduating. And I was embarrassed to just say, like, oh, I'm still, (laughs) I'm not there yet. I felt embarrassed and frustrated because I felt like I was running in circles, paying a whole lot of money for tuition, for books, but having really little to show for it. I was quickly becoming a super senior in college, and that's not, that's not a compliment, not something to be proud of. I needed to see myself moving forward because that's how we're wired, right? That's how we're wired. We'll spend all our... Right, time, effort, and money into tracking our growth and 
areas in our lives, but what about our relationship with Jesus? Right? What does spiritual growth look like? Maybe you've been uh, following Jesus for, for years now, and you become become frustrated because um, of the lack of growth that you've seen in your life. Or maybe you are a new Christian, and you're excited to grow, but you're just not sure what that looks like. Well, this morning, Paul is going to encourage us in his letter to the Corinthians. So let's go ahead and open up to Corinthians chapter 3 as we continue our series. We've been taking a deep dive into this messy church that God loves, that God sent Paul to help point them back to Jesus. Let's read verse 1. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready, because you're still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? So Paul, he wants the people in Corinth to take the next step in their relationship with Jesus, to grow in a love for him, to grow in reflecting Jesus to others. Paul wanted them to shed the diapers of their spiritual infancy and graduate to pull-ups. But they weren't ready. They weren't ready for it. They were still acting like infants in their Christian journey. And it's not because they were new Christians, but it's because they chose to remain in their infancy. See, Paul wanted them to move from milk to start to enjoy solid food. It wasn't long ago where when uh, my youngest daughter experienced her first chicken McNugget, she, she moved from, from, from uh, liquids and started to eat solid food. And our uh, family doctor encouraged us, because she was on the petite side, to feed her a little bit of the junk food. You know, the stuff that, um, that we're told to avoid. Yeah, family doctor told us to do that, so we did it. So I grabbed the chicken nugget, ripped a, a bit off, put it on her tray, and she's just looking at it with suspicion. Like, do I even want to eat this thing? But then she finally picked it up, bit into that oily, crispy chicken piece, and her eyes, like, lit up. Her taste buds, right, were just awakened. And she began to experience food on a whole nother level. You see, Paul, he, he wanted the church to experience another level in their relationship with God. He wanted them to feast on a deeper in, intimacy with him, to experience the truth of the gospel in, in deeper ways so that their eyes would light up at the beauty of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them. But they weren't ready. See, they were not growing and progressing as Christians as they should have. And, and really, that was on them because they were holding on to the old ways of living before they first met Jesus. These old mindsets and practices that were keeping them from feasting on the goodness of God in their lives. Paul says they were still worldly, living like they were before they met Jesus. And some of the evidence is they, they had envy and strife among them. We read earlier in this letter that the church was aligning themselves with different leaders in the church, some saying, I follow Paul, others saying, I follow Apollos. Instead of being a church family that was united around loving each other and, and, and loving others, they were more like two rival colleges competing against each other. 
And because of this, they were still holding on to just this old way of thinking. So they were unable to fully live out the life that Paul uh, wanted them to experience. And that can happen with us too. So here's the first way that we grow as followers of Jesus. It's by getting rid of the old way of living. Right? This old way of life, it's, it's about living for yourself. It's life without God in mind. It's following the teachings and the ways of this world and its values that says, make life about you. Make yourself the highest priority. And even use spiritual things, even use God to get what you want. But the good news is the church in Corinth, they were already freed from having to live this old life. And now they're encouraged to take off the old life and its way of thinking and put on the new life that Jesus had given to them. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness, in righteousness and purity and the truth. See, the Corinthians were washed clean by Jesus, but they had the tendency to put on that dirty clothes of sin and selfish mindsets. Or imagine having a a shirt that you worked in all day. It's just sweaty and filled with dirt and sting. You take it off and you take a nice, clean shower and you just feel great. But imagine coming out of that shower, picking up that same soggy shirt and putting it back on and it's sticking to your back. Oh, right, that's just nasty, right? But that's what we do when we choose to continue to hold on to the old way of life. The Spirit has freed us to take off that shirt. Paul describes what that shirt looks like and what the new one looks like. Back in Ephesians 4, he says, Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You are sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Right, Paul's saying things like lying and unrighteous anger and stealing, slander, unforgiveness. These are all part of that stink old shirt. This is what's keeping us from feasting, fully feasting on God's goodness. But by the power of the Spirit, right, we're now free to put on the new shirt, which means we can speak truthfully to others. We can forgive. We can work hard and honestly. We can build others up with our words. That's how we grow as followers of Jesus. It's letting go and putting away the old shirt and putting on the new by the power of the Spirit. But see, the Corinthian church, they were missing it because um, they, they failed to see God's presence and active work in their lives. But instead, they focused on their spiritual leaders. Let's read verse 4 in Corinthians. For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They're servants through whom you believe, and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants 
although the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. So the people of Corinth, they were dividing over their leaders, some saying they're part of Team Paul, Others saying they're part of Team Apollos. But they were foolishly making sides that didn't need to exist. They were like children arguing over who's better, mom or dad. When mom and dad are part of the same family, they're on the same team. And so Paul explains, you know, it's not me, it's not Apollos that you should be rallying around and putting up on a pedestal. It's God. He's the one that gives you growth. We just did the work that God called us to do, to plant and to water. But the only reason you grew as Christians is because of God. The only reason your church grew is because of God. See, Apollos and Paul, they were like the gloves that scattered the seeds of God's word. They were like the the, the watering can that watered those seeds. But it was God, the divine gardener, who was causing growth to happen in their lives. The Corinthians, they needed to see God's presence and work through Paul and Apollos. They had an unhealthy view of spiritual leaders, even depending on them instead of on God. Paul says, you know, Apollos and I, we're we're nothing. It's God doing the work in you. So here's the second way we grow in Christ. It's to pursue dependency upon him. Pursue dependency that he's the one that gives us growth, who makes us more like Jesus. He's the one that gives us an understanding of his word. And that's like the opposite of the the way we view life as human beings, right? For us as uh, parents or aunties and uncles or grandma, grandpas, right? We want our keiki to move from dependency to independency, right? Because as a child is in the womb, right? He or she is fully dependent on his or her mother. And as they're born... Right? They're dependent on the parents to feed and to clothe and to nurture them. But our hope is as they grow older, they go from needing to be fed to feeding themselves, from needing to be clothed to clothing themselves, needing to be carried to walking on their own. And the hope is that when they become adults, they'd be fully independent. So they're no longer sleeping in your room as an infant, but they're sleeping in the room next to you as a young adult because they can't afford their own place, Right? But the, the idea, right, is dependency to independency. But really, it's the opposite as a follower of Jesus. We once lived independent from God, living on our own, and we recognized that that way didn't work, how we need God, right? We came to trust in him and to grow in a dependency on him. Jesus is the perfect example, right, the perfect human being who lived dependent on the Holy Spirit, See, as we grow to love God and know him, we begin to realize more and more just how broken and weak and sinful and in need of God's spirit we are for everything, from work to relationships to struggles and temptations in our life to growing as a Christian. See, the Corinthian church, they needed to depend on God to grow, not upon their human leaders. Same for us. We need to see the Paul and Apollos in our life as God working through them. And the more we, we do that, the more we recognize just how truly dependent on God we are. 
I think we see that in our own human lives, right? Because we can be as independent as we want. We can pay our own bills, own our own stuff, go where we want to go. But as we begin to age, we begin to realize we truly are dependent creatures. Where We're unable to go where we want to go, but we need others to take us. Our bodies that were once strong and vibrant become weak and dependent. Even our minds that were once sharp become dull and forgetful. And it's a sober reminder that we truly are dependent creatures. The Corinthians, they needed to grow in their dependence upon God as the source of their spiritual growth. And so do we. Last week, we were encouraged to dig into the Bible, to grow in God's Word. And know that there are times in my life that, that I'll be dependent on other people to understand God's Word rather than God. Like, I'll be reading a part in the Bible, and then I would watch a YouTube video, I'll listen to an online sermon, I'll read a commentary, and I'll find in my own heart that I'm relying ultimately on these resources to grow me rather than God. These resources are, are great, good tools that we, we should use. But I find, find that even with myself that there are times I won't even pray and ask God to teach me, but rather just quickly run to those resources. So I want to encourage you, the next time you read, read your Bible, the next time you get together with others and read the Bible, just stop and pray. Thank God for being the source of understanding and growth and ask him to teach you his word. Ask him to reveal more of Jesus to you. Ask him to show you how to apply these good truths in God's word to your life. And when we do that, we're taking God's word and we're building wisely. That's the third way we grow in Christ. It's to build with God's word. Look at verse 10. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder. And another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Don't you yourselves know that you're God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. Paul is primarily describing Christian leaders like himself who are serving God by building up the church using God's word. Or the church is precious to God, right? You are precious to God. And we see that anyone who destroys God's temple, God will destroy because he loves his church. He defends his church. But this application to build with materials is not just for Christian leaders alone, but it's for every follower of Jesus who's called to take God's word and to build, use that to build in their lives. See, Paul likens God's word to the precious building material like gold and silver, while the teachings and the thinking of this world are the unworthy materials like wood and hay or straw. Paul goes on to say that each person's work will be evaluated on the day of judgment when we'll stand before God to be accountable for what we did with the opportunities God has given us. 
and the value of what we have done will be clearly seen on that day where everything will be laid out. My second grade teacher uh, had a day of judgment for our class. <laughs> um, you know, we had those old school desks, the heavy, heavy metal desks that was hard to move around, wooden top, and one of those big cubbies that you can shove your whole room inside. And so she had a day of judgment where she would uh, inspect each desk. She loved clean and organized desks. So she'd go around to each desk, and if she stood at your desk and she looked in it and your desk was clean and organized, she'd walk right past you, and you would stand just proud, right? You passed the test. But if she came to your desk and it was disorganized, messy, she looked in it, she would grab your desk, and she'd say one word. She'd say, huli. She'd grab the desk, say, huli, turn the desk like huli, huli chicken, and everything spilled out on the ground in front of everybody. Your books, your pencils, your paper, the toys you were hiding, the gum you were hiding. For us, it was the pogs. Remember pogs? If you know what that is, go Google it later on. Right, but everything was just laid out, right? all your junk, for everyone to see. See, when we stand before God, what we do in this life, the stuff we've been filling our desks with will be evaluated. Whether we use the precious wisdom of God's word or the cheap ideas and mindsets uh, of this world. Whether we've served others in our lives out of a dependency on the spirit with his word or if we've used the people in our lives for our own selfish benefit. It'll either survive the fire or be burnt up. Now, this isn't a question of salvation. This is about evaluation of how we use the opportunities God has given us. And if we build with the precious materials of God's truth, or if we follow the ideas of this world, or if we've neglected God's word over our lives and lived using the world's advice, our work will be burnt up. Paul describes it as passing through fire. It's like your house is burnt down, all your possessions got burnt up, but you got out safely. But if you serve God with the wisdom that he gives us with his word, your work will survive the fire like pure gold, and you will receive a reward. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Right? This reality of evaluation and judgment, it should encourage us to serve the Lord with the wisdom from his word. Because how we live, it matters to God. And our service is it's not because we're terrified of God, but because we love him and we want to please him. Our service isn't because we're trying to earn our salvation. No, our foundation is Christ. He has saved us. And because he has saved us now and captured our hearts with his love, now we want to love him and we want to serve him. Jesus is our ultimate example who left heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect life feasting on the Father's love. He lived a perfect life depending on the Holy Spirit laid down his life on the cross for our sins, rose again from the dead, ascended back into heaven, and has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to grow to be just like him. Church, you have everything that you need 
to grow as a follower of Jesus because you have his word to build on and you have his spirit to give you the power to build. So let's continue to pursue Jesus together until the day that we stand before him complete. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives in us and who empowers us and who encourages us and causes us to grow. We pray, Lord, that you would grow us in a dependency upon you and to celebrate that the old life is gone, the new has come, and we can now live and build with your word because you have set us free. Remind us of these good truths, Lord, as we respond now in praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.